Hello, chatters. As I was setting up our recording gear, Annabelle Crab said to me when I figured out how to do it, please just don't ever die. <laughs> just because I would find it really hard to work the microphone equipment for our yeah, podcast if it, you were dead. It would have There'd been be one or two other complications, like there not being a podcast at all. But yeah, yeah, I'm so glad that you'd miss me so much that you first thought when the phone rang, Annabelle, I've got terrible news. Sales is dead. That you'd go. Well, who's going to work the microphones now? <laughs> hey, I've got a little present for you. Um, yeah. Mick at work, who is my floor manager when I do 7.30, his wife's name is Julie, and she was doing a bit of a clean-up at home and she went oh through her linen cupboard and found some tea towels that her nana had knitted for her and given her, I think the year was 1975. You don't knit a tea towel. I mean, made Jesus. Them. Sorry, she God. embroidered on them. You're an embarrassment to the craft world. She embroidered You're banned on. from Etsy forever. She embroidered on them. So they've been, oh Julie's my. had them since 1975. God, and they have just never dried a hand, these towels. And she thought <gasps> you might like them. Look at them. We'll put some okay. photos on the Facebook so group, people. Think of like a beautiful, beautiful linen towel with just gorgeous kind of ticking stripes on each end in lovely sort of fondant colours, all my favourite colours. And, oh, my Lord, this is a proper – this is a glory box. It is a glory box. It's a it's full Julie's glory box. It's glory box that so, she's giving to you. Oh, my – so there's one that says bride and it's a um, lady in a bridal frock heading optimistically towards a church. Right. And it's the most exquisite embroidery. And then there's embroidery. trousseau and have then a, there's have a look at this courtship. One. Oh, God. Here's no, that's that, less rude than it sounds. Here's the one that goes with bride. Groom. Oh, my God. What's his pin the smoking for? The cigarette. Oh She's embroidered God. a cigarette. <laughs> It's a it's a, a guy whose penis appears to be smoking, but on closer inspection, he's holding a cigarette down near his region. Honeymoon, dream home. <gasps> and what about the condition of them? They're absolutely I know. immaculate. You'd never God. know they were 40 years old. Well, guests to my home will never be drying their hands on anything less than so the I, trousseau of Julie. Julie's a chatter. And it's I a think... happy marriage, by the way. They're still together. <laughs> they are. Very much in love. <laughs> Miraculously, having met Mick. I mean. I know. But Mick's the guy too. <laughs> I love Mick. Who for Julie's joking, 60th birthday, forgive me, I hope I've just like busted out her actual age. <laughs> um, he and the children um, procured 60 birthday presents for her a varying Pretty incredible. Oh, my God. And for her birthday, a few before that, he organised for me, you and Emma Alberici. You were away, though, unfortunately. And he surprised Julie with a lunch with all of us that Mick paid for at a restaurant at Potts Point called The Butler, which is beautiful. Um, and because Julie, because Mick works on our shows, you know, he, she, Ju, poor Julie has to sort of suffer through them all the time anyway. So he organised for us to have her to have lunch with all of us. But the most hilarious thing was that I had the most horrific case of gastro. I had been just <laughs> crapping razor blades for a good 36 <laughs> hours and I was so ill. Here's your other birthday present, Julie. <laughs> Rotavirus. <laughs> But Mick had invested so much effort into getting the lunch happening and it had been locked in for months. I just thought, well, there's no way that I can cancel. I remember talking to you because I had to like, I got called away for some reason and I had to like, I can't remember what it was, but it was just like, oh, it was a work thing. I had to go. And then you were like, I can't be the second person to pull out of this thing. I'm just going to plug my butt and head in there. And I remember I was so ill and I was in the bathroom sort of 5am and my then husband said to me, um, 
you know, I, I was, I came to bed and went, oh God, I've got to go to this lunch. I can't, I can't get out of it. And I explained it. And he's described it as like, he was laughing and he said, oh, so basically this is the equivalent. If you pull out of this, it's like basically letting down the kitty at the Make-A-Wish Foundation. <laughs> like yes it is <laughs> so I just sort of struggled through it was actually a really lovely lunch but I just was sort of in a state of nervous terror the entire time <laughs> I love that I get the towels and you know after all your efforts I still get the hand towels well I think Julie probably knows enough about me to yeah, know that knows, there was a they risk would be of me in the bin them. sorry Nana yeah and they were Nana's you know Nana yeah. put great effort and they Julie's obviously looked oh, after but how nice that I she thought them. that you were the person to bequeath them to quality lady mm-hmm. quality lady Speaking of quality, I watched the finale of The Bachelorette last night. <laughs> what a lovely segue. Oh, hey, hang on. Here's the card. Oh. For Julie with love from Nana. Oh. oh. Maybe I should give that back to her at least. Oh, my God. That's wonderful. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, the, the Bachelorette. Bachelorette. Oh, so um, sad news about the Sydney show that we did, the live show, is that we, the audio didn't work out. So, um all of the incredibly indiscreet things you said about your private life. <laughs> so the good news is I'll we just can just do check the whole the Australian. Thing They'll probably publish it anyway <laughs> yeah, with so a picture of you looking unsightly. Um, yeah, so we don't have any audio of that, but but in sure. that show, sales went just on and on and then on and on a bit more about the Bachelorette <laughs> God, and how she loves it, and you know. <laughs> Then it turned out that half the people in the audience also are loving it. Yeah, and because I mentioned um, a character called Jared and there was an audible reaction in the audience, so clearly other people were watching it. Look, to, to recap, because there's only a, t- a handful of people at the shows in Sydney and lots more of you listen out there further afield, my thinking about The Bachelorette is I quite like a bit of trash TV because I have a very serious job. No, really? <laughs> and I, mm-hmm. I like to be able to just zone out and – you know, you have problems with it because it's anti-feminist and all that sort of stuff and I'm not going to... I have fewer problems with The Bachelorette than I have with The Bachelor, which right. I just, you know, oh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the basically, you know, and somebody somebody had said that they thought The Bachelorette was the sort of modern-day Pride and Prejudice, you know, where we're all the, us as when the TV viewers... When she says somebody, are, she means she said that. You, you said that, No, no, a chatter said it. I'm, oh, I'm paraphrasing right. what somebody, oh, okay. somebody else said, yeah. Um, and, in fact, I noticed Hugh Parkinson, who does those little videos for Insiders, yep. did a Pride and Prejudice rip-off using the Bachelorette Oh, did he? He's a genius, that guy. Anyway, I have found it very sort of amusing because um, there's this guy in it called Jared who was just awfully intense and there was an excruciating scene where he gave her um, a – pot full of dirt and they each had a pot full of dirt and he said let's grow something together and he was just overly intense and overly invested but actually watching the finale last night I felt terrible because I mean I've had a lot of laughs at that guy's expense but he was he was properly gutted I hope that they provide psychological counseling to people who go on that show it's all right it's not like anybody saw him be humiliated (sighs) it was so what was he I don't it was he was it down to him and another guy yeah another in my view, pretty unappealing guy. The brother of Craig Laundy, the federal MP. His okay. Stu Laundy. All right. Well, at least there's some hotel money available <laughs> to be successful applicant. Uh, so she picked Stu Laundy, and but Jared had sort of really gotten very invested and said, oh, "I'm in love with you," and it's I've never felt like this about anyone in my life, and blah blah blah. And look, clearly the way the show is set up, you know, you're sort of in this house and you're away from your friends and family, and it becomes a very intense thing. I'm sure it's crafted, and and you're thrown into these very romantic scenarios. I'm sure it's crafted, really, to- so romantic because there's just you, your beloved, <laughs> a, a cold bottle of wine, and eight cameras. Well, there was a great bit last night with Stu Laundy. It was saying to Sophie, I need to tell you how I feel, but I just feel so 
worried because Exposed. I have. Yeah, he said I have child. I have four children, and I don't want to embarrass them. Said too right, late. Said it's right. Yeah, said right before he bloody tongue patches a former reality TV star while lying in a hammock <laughs> <laughs> on a dating program. Like, mate, I, I think the horse you is be bolted. The next bachelorette. <laughs> And the whole like your your cast of suitors should be entirely made up of like your fan club, so like retired oh, English teachers oh. from Wentworth Falls, <laughs> and we just who are like eighty, going like, oh, I don't mind a bit of that bloody redhead on and, the uh, on the on the news program, and date nights like the guy going, look, I've booked us a beautiful, I've booked us a harbour cruise and then a beautiful place for dinner, and I'm like, ah. Oh. Can we just stay home and watch TV? I hate going out. Yeah. Also, I'll need to be in bed by one minute past nine <laughs> yeah, in my granny undies. I'll be reading, by the way, so there'll be nothing uh, going on. Actually, a woman called Kerry Sackville wrote a quite good column yesterday about watching the older an older woman do The Bachelorette because Sophie Monk's in her late 30s yeah. and the other ones have been in their late 20s. And yeah. she, it was quite interesting. She said, I've never seen any of the others, but she said in the other ones, the young women have like a smorgasbord of really lovely men because there's much more available men. And so she said the older one, she said it's a, it's a taste of what life's like for us older dating women. And, in fact, the guy, the final three guys. It's just all people who used to be married to your friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Oh, wow, that's a depressing thought. <laughs> Um, the three, she said, the three guys who were left typify exactly all the types that you can have when you're an older single person. First guy, who for anyone who watched the show is Apollo, is the dude who is just the sort of good-looking party boy, but yep. you know never going to commit. Second guy, who's Jared, is the guy who seems sort of nice on the surface, but just overly controlling and just overly intense. And you know, after one date, they're sort of you know totally in love with you and just a bit too much and crazy yep. stalker-like person. And the third guy is still married. Who? Stu Laundy still married and has had a vasectomy, <laughs> even though she says she wants to settle right, down. Right, so have that's four kids. the guy who. Right, I did see a little clip of it that was awesome, where they were in some sort of contrived romantic setting, and he then revealed that he'd had the snip, and she was actually her reaction was really good. She just went, "Oh, fuck," you know, <laughs> to the camera. Anyway, um, yeah, God, all right, all right. Well, maybe. Oh, hey. look, but you know, my as I said, my enjoyment of it was destroyed by the destruction of that poor hapless. But how you wished all hell to rain down on his skull. Like when I I last talked to you about this, you were like, I will watch this show to its conclusion so that I can see him stomped into a pulpy, hearty, bleedy mess. And now you're like, oh, that guy. Maybe he's still available, Sales. Give him a call. Watching Watching him stomped into a bleeding mess wasn't the fun I thought it would be. Oh my god! So what about how like your main like, what I love about, what I do retain about your hatred of this guy on the Bachelorette is that <laughs> your signature, the point at which you developed a problem with him was the point at which he said something like, "I'm the kind of guy who, um, we're out for dinner." You know, I say, oh, do you want to have dessert? And you oh, say, yeah. no, I don't really feel in the mood for dessert. And then you pop off to the bathroom and come back to find that he's actually ordered dessert. He had never done that in the show, but I, I just – his type was familiar to me. I've seen oh. this type of guy before, which was, um, yeah, that type of thing where it's like controlling behaviour dressed up as being nice, like yeah. I know what you need better than you know yeah. what you need. Um, it's a very – I find it very, very annoying um, trait for people to have because then if you say, oh, well, actually, I don't want the dessert, I said I didn't want dessert, you look like the asshole because you're yes. the one who's then being difficult and whatnot. So. <laughs> Just so never going to date you. <laughs> right. So um, this reminds me, while we're talking about um, 
dating scenarios that turn out incredibly <laughs> oh, well. Oh, we're going to go into your dating life. Yeah. No, we are not. Um, <laughs> I've been listening to, in fact, I have now listened to the whole of Dirty John. Oh, awesome, because I am up to episode five. Mm. <laughs> Care to tell our listeners what Dirty John is? Okay, so it's, a, um, it's an American podcast and it's a true story and it's reported by this guy from the LA Times who um, – tells the story of this woman who's like a successful interior designer and um, she's got, gone through a couple of husbands, she's got adult kids and she is on a dating website and she starts exchanging messages with this guy called John who's kind of like handsome, he's an um, anesthesiologist or a doctor of some kind, um, anaesthetist I should say, um, and they go out on a couple of dates and, you know, it's kind of not – perfect at first but then they kind of fall wildly in love and then she starts to notice weird things about him like he she doesn't quite know where he works he wears scrubs all the time but he doesn't seem to really have any other clothes he says he's got like houses all across California but there's no evidence of him really having any money he's constantly borrowing her car and they're just not really quite and her her children loathe him and so the whole podcast really is about the gradual discovery about this guy's background um, and uh, some quite extraordinary things happen. But it's it's like a classic kind of gaslight situation. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's certainly holding my interest. It's well done. One of the things I find fascinating about it is just – the difference between your sort of regular brain and your romance brain and what <laughs> it is that – so this woman clearly is a really nice person, very bright, very successful and good at what she does and yet this guy, she comes to understand that his background is diabolical, if you can hear that. Yeah, welcome to your new neighbourhood, Sales. As the Daily Mail reported – Sales has bought a house in Stanmore, a suburb where property values are blah, 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 despite it being under the flight path and close to Annabelle Crabbe's house. <laughs> I love how they identified that Keeping as the two property chief, chief um, setbacks of this neighbourhood, Flight Noise and Annabelle Crabbe. <laughs> um, she comes to know this guy's background, that he's complete, a complete manipulator and charlatan and yet, and she has an opportunity to escape, and yet she does not. And they sort of go into that in quite a bit of depth about what it is that basically has caused her to not leave him. But it just, it just is that thing where I mean, you see it all the time, it, it, not even with people that aren't sinister, where you just think, "Wow, why do you stay in that relationship? Or why are you with that person? Or why do you find that person attractive?" Like, say, Melania and Donald Trump. How could you possibly find that person attractive? It's just such a mystery, all of that sort of thing. Although about. you think with Donald Trump, I reckon like she probably went into that marriage expecting it to be a bit different from what it's turned out to be. God, yeah. So you reckon? And surely, I mean, I guess money does strange things to people where they find... I think that, yeah, well, I, I would hate to speculate, but surely. <laughs> <laughs> so are you liking Dirty John? Yeah. Um, I, I listened to it all really quickly and it is like it... it it does have a resolution, like it's not okay. one of these, oh, you know, it ends up in the air, it doesn't right. end like that at all. Um, and I just, I'm really interested in her behaviour throughout and also, you know, it's one of those circumstances where the family could not be more clear and they actually unearth all this stuff that's undeniable mm. but she's still in this sort of state of liminence and she can't reconcile this guy that she's with who's incredibly 
wonderful to her, mm. although, like, he really turns pretty awful when cracks start to appear, but then he comes back and he's incredibly nice again. And, and yeah, I, it is such an old story. Um, what it reminded me of is this great book um, – written by Kay Schubach. Did you ever read that one? It's called Perfect Stranger. She's a Sydney woman and writer who um, fell in love with very suddenly, like met in a cafe and was just totally immediately drawn to this guy called Simon who she met and she was in a relationship living with this guy and this Simon just swept her off her feet and within a month she's broken up with her boyfriend. You know, she's got a house. Is this a novel or is this true? No, it's a true story. And then he turns out to be this like – serial bad boy he's just got out of prison and that's oh. why they've met and but he was he's a kind of stalker violent um he'd been in prison i think on drug related offenses but anyway it's a terrifying terrifying story because he becomes incredibly violent and domineering and possessive and she's the the fascinating part about the book is her narration in retrospect of the gradual surrender of her will and sense of independence. And she's like a really smart businesswoman and um, just she finds herself being corroded because he's so forceful. Anyway, this guy, so Simon, her boyfriend, um, eventually was um, convicted of doing the same thing to at least one other woman and is in prison. And, in fact, he had his parole hearing the other day and I think, mm. yeah. But it's a, um, it's, it's a chilling book. But um, Was she able to identify what it was that sort of kept her there or attracted her to him? Or? So one of the things that she'd been talking about with her boyfriend was, you know, having a baby. She really wanted to have a baby. And this guy was um, – just full of false promises, including, oh, you know, we'll have a baby, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And she did actually get pregnant um, at one point. So I'm sure that that was part of it. But it's just, it it really reinforced to me the fact that, like, this stuff happens to people who are smart and independent and, you know, like there's no real delineation of um, factor in terms of you know predisposition predisposition or personality or whatever like it's just this um quite extraordinary story and 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 that um element of the dirty john um podcast is sort of exactly the same and remember that time a couple of months ago where there was that woman who wrote a magazine article about stephanie wood yes stephanie wood yeah yeah Yeah. it's just um we talked about that on the podcast before she basically it's another sort of classic gaslighting scenario where she's dating this guy turns out to have a whole another life and and girlfriend and family but it's also there's a lot of examples of where there's slightly weird and dodgy behavior but she sort of excuses it and when you call him out and i mean manipulative people are often like this you call Mm. them out on their behavior and they put it back on you right or they accuse you of being too suspicious this is what happens in dirty john like and she says oh look he had an explanation for everything Mm. now if you step outside that sort of hormonal liminence world you know Mm. you can you can kind of look at it and go well that is absolute crap Mm. but I mean when you're in it because you've invested so much hope and love in in this project you know like it's hard to stepping away is not just losing that person it's also admitting that everything you've put into that relationship has been a waste like you've got to write it off and I think as with much in life too things aren't always all good or all bad so you can be going out with somebody that has you know issues or substance abuse problems or just 
some nasty personal qualities, but also is really funny yeah. and great company and really smart and you really like hanging around with them. And, mm. you know, so it, it, you'd be constantly sort of thinking, I'm sure, oh, well, maybe if he just, you know, maybe because in Dirty John he ends up saying to her, Oh, well, I've never felt like this about anyone and so, yeah. you know, you've got to help me sort of get my stuff together. And so she's then thinking, well, you know, maybe I am the first person who's going to help him reform yeah. his ways and so yep. you buy into that sort yep. of redemption narrative. And Also, I think because you're so habitually and automatically as a human being you associate intimacy with truth, like with yeah. intimacy with knowing somebody and believing them and trusting them. You yeah. know? So the discovery that you can be intimate with somebody but also just – them have, be a complete stranger to you at yeah. the same time is really scary and and awkward and if you if you can find any explanation that removes that as a possibility then you'll take it I think. definitely yeah. and I think if you yourself are a nice person who wouldn't treat somebody yeah. like that it can be hard to actually think what like then mm. no surely not how is that even possible you know so but look it's it's um it's very interesting it's, it's sort of a mystery but the thing I find most mysterious is just the psychology of human beings yeah, and, you know, why yeah. they make decision, the decisions that they make. Um, do you know something actually that I'm finding a bit weird, but I don't know if it's just me. You know when you listen to a podcast, usually there's an ad at the start and an yeah. ad in the middle. And I, that does not bother me in the yeah. slightest because I think, say, you know, Alec Baldwin's podcast or The Dollop or whatever, if I'm going to listen to The Dollop and I get a lot of enjoyment out of those guys, if they want to plug whatever they plug or if they want to pitch whatever they pitch – that's fine. It doesn't yeah. bother me in the slightest. But Dirty John, I mean, this feels like there's a lot of ads. Yeah. Well, I think what I love about those um, American podcast platforms is they all take the same ads as well. Like, and I'm yeah. like, guys, I'm not going to get a delivery from Blue Apron, okay? <laughs> I live in Sydney. <laughs> Just like by the time your lentil salad arrives from Blue Apron in, you know <laughs> – San Jose, look, those, it's just not. It's not going to be nice anymore. And look, those mattresses, mattresses sound fantastic. <laughs> I'd love a great mattress. Obsessively engineered. Like, well, I don't know. Post one of those to me. Let's see how, how that flies. How it's so funny, isn't it? Because you know, now that these things have global audiences, it's just sort of ludicrous. But anyway, it must be working. My favourite one is like Malcolm Gladwell, who's um, sponsored by Chloe or no, no, no it's um, Chanel. <laughs> And he's like, well, back to gritty race relations in, you know, segregationist America after this word from our sponsor, yeah, it's Chanel. Weird. The Dirty John one, it feels like there's probably like four blocks of ads yeah. per episode, which I find a bit crazy. Hey, do you know what I'm going to have to – I just realised reaching around behind my back, but I'm going to have to get sorted what? before I can get uh, gaslit. Look at this, this scenario this is... I've got going on with <laughs> Sorry, she, she's got a lot of big underpant coming out of the top of her jeans. Oh, my God. I thought that, is this about to be a, like a, a, an ad for Bonds undies or something? <laughs> well, I've struggled for years with giant pants that come out of my jeans at inopportune moments. Imagine my delight when I discovered the barely there range from, from Bonds. <laughs> what, about, what about something like... You know, for years I've struggled to get a date and I've never understood why. <laughs> I'm mate, smart, I'm attractive. Half an acre of underpants, mate. Like, uh, there's a start. When my friend told me that my, my giant granny undies had been hanging out the back of my jeans, all of a sudden I thought, yes, maybe this is it. Um, now, speaking of the dollop, has that live show happened yet? Yes, it, yes, I went to see it the other night. How was it? Uh, I didn't love it. I did not love it. And wow. that breaks my freaking heart because oh. I bought about 24 tickets. <laughs> in fact, there was this fabulous Chat 10 moment because um, I had two left over in the end, which 
by the way, I didn't actually have leftover. I miscalculated. So I gave away two tickets on the Facebook group. <laughs> and then had to buy two more. Yeah. Oh, and But okay. also it, it was so sold out. Right. And then we were two oh, tickets God. short. I'm like, holy shit, I've completely buggered it up. Oh, and so what did you do? Well, Jeremy, because he's excellent, said, well, why don't I pop into the box office and just see if they've had any returns? Because I was just like, I was basically, well, I won't go. And right. um, so... Um, <laughs> He went in there and they said, and they had just had some guest who had just rung up and said, I'm not coming. And so he just bought those two tickets. He like literally was there at <sighs> the exact second. And then yeah. anyway, so it worked out fine. Just totally unlikely resolution to an otherwise terrible situation, largely engineered by my own um, inadequacy. <laughs> but um, the great thing was that I put these um, tickets up. This is why chatters are so awesome. Put these tickets up and this woman called Mel like just – responded in about 10 seconds just said oh great I would love those tickets it was fun and then like a minute later there's a woman called Mari who who's just like oh my god oh look if that falls through or if that doesn't pan out please please me next because you know I've been trying to get a ticket for anyway so Mel from afar is watching all of this and because she's an incredible sweetie and a chatter she just contacts Mari and says do you want the other ticket like do you want to come as my date and oh. so they've made friends. Oh, ah, that's so nice. Yeah. And did you get to meet them all? Sure did. Oh. Unfortunately, I had just been to the hairdresser and I had my hair straightened for like I, not really recreational reasons. I washed it again straight away so it's now back to its normal <laughs> um, furball status. But um, so, but nobody recognised me. Like, <laughs> so she went in to meet Gwen and a bunch of other people and um, – I could not get a hello from anyone that I even really know really well. And when Mel and Mari came in looking for me, like, I was looking at them going like, oh, are they the chatters? And they were looking straight at me, nothing. Wow, yeah. that's so interesting. So obviously yeah. your chief recognisability thing is that curly hair. Yeah, that's it. Wow, yeah. there you it's go. It's just this merkin on my head. For me, it's the big the undies is coming working. out of the back. It's the undies. It's the workin' merkin. Uh, so, um, so hang on, so why didn't you like the show so much? So... Was it just them or did they have Will Anderson on as well? Because they sometimes... No, they had this other comedian uh, whose name is Hamo. <laughs> yeah, of course no, right. it is. Of course it's Hamo. Because uh, he hosts an FM radio show called Hamo and the Chick. I think so. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, um, so they did some stand-up first, Dave and Gary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that was great. I really enjoyed that. Um, but, yeah... I see. I continue to be rusted on super fans of the podcast, but it was just one of those nights where I didn't feel like it really came together. The, the story that they chose as well mm. was about like treatment of women in a penal colony in Tasmania, and to be honest, like it was just a bit like I found it super blokey, and they were all cracking jokes about like the terrible things that happening to these women, and I was just like, Ugh. They, what they do is so well observed usually and they balance it so well. And, like, I think they're super aware of the blokey factor and, like, they are actually really evolved guys. And But on this occasion there was the three of them and they were all I, – I didn't love the dynamic with the third person either. So, And what's the audience demographic like for them? Um, whew, Looking around, oh look, it was like lots of women there. Like it wasn't. Oh, okay, it's right. not just a guy. Oh, thing. Like our age, or what's the? Yeah, sort of, I think so. Right. Like I, oh, I obviously wasn't being closely observant enough. I was too busy, like absolutely crapping my dacks <laughs> about whether we had enough tickets. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, I just, I mean, look, I, I, I really liked seeing them. It was really interesting to to watch them, and they had there were some like great moments. Mm. 
But it wasn't one of those storylines where I'm just like, oh, that was amazing. It, it sort of lacked a bit of clarity as to where it was going. It wasn't apparent what the theme was. And the theme sort of ended up being Tasmania and homosexuality because it was about like lesbian encounters in the um, female factory, which is what they call this uh, facility in is it colonial times? Anyway, I, yeah, I don't know. It just it, it didn't hit my buttons um, and I kind of – I ended up having to leave early because I had to sort out um, kids and stuff. So Right. Yeah. Oh, ah. that's, However, like, like, um, I, like it, it absolutely does not affect my enthusiasm for the podcast and my determination to uh, continue listening to it. It's just like I, I guess sometimes with something as finely calibrated as that, like it's quite magical when it really, really works. Yeah. Um, and I think that you can, because it's so exciting to see them live, you know, that covers over a bit of like yeah. something that is a bit off. Look, but. and I'm, I mean, I'm sure it's like us where sometimes you do an episode and it's just absolutely hilarious and you go off on a tangent and it just really yeah. works. And then sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, that was all right. Yeah. Um, just, you know, swings You go home hats. and like flog yourself with a like <laughs> damp Hessian lash. I'm like, I cry myself to sleep, like, oh, I didn't know my undies hang out of my jeans. Oh my what I love is that nobody really asked you to make that observation about your underpants. You're just like, oh, speaking of something well, like. There's, there's got to be a good 20 centimetres hanging yeah, out. Yeah, there's a lot. I, yeah. I think it's less, the problem is less the undies, but more the low cut of the jeans yeah, is what I see. Suggest. You've got to shop together. You've got to have a joined up thinking in your downstairs department. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> right. Good luck finding a date real soon. I think we should so, end this episode there and okay. uh, leave people with that visual. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Bye.